everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. As always, I've got my brother and producer, Joel, here in the studio with me as well. Also referred to as the producer. That's right. That's his new title, actually. Yeah, I do. Producer. I do like that better. It's uh. And thank you to the yeah. person that came up with that. That is genius. It is genius. That was just really cool to see, you know, producer. when we saw that comment. We're like, it fits perfectly. Hey, it saves me a couple words, too. It I does. I just say producer versus brother <laughs> yeah. and producer. Right. So now, in case you didn't, you know, you thought I, I messed that up last episode. I actually didn't. That was on purpose. So. Yeah, I was on purpose. That's uh, Joel's new title is yep. the producer. Mm-hmm. But anyways, today we are going to be diving into the world of haunted objects. And this is something that I've found fascinating ever since I got into the paranormal world and, you know, started learning about a lot of the different haunting cases, possession cases. And there's actually quite a few stories of objects, specifically dolls, being possessed by something and in in effect causing a haunting. So today we're going to be covering none other than probably the most famous or infamous haunted doll out there. And that is the legendary Annabelle. Annabelle has a very interesting story and it's a a doll that obviously many of us know from the three films that have come out around her story that are part of the Conjuring universe. So if you've ever seen those films, have you seen those films, Joel? Have you seen the Annabelle films? Uh, <laughs> I've only seen the first Annabelle, to be honest. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the Conjuring series, and I love Annabelle. And it, uh, I mean, there's just so much you can really do with a doll in a movie. But they they, they, they were kind of creepy and incorporated some they real actually are, especially the first one. I, I rewatched the first one yesterday. Oh, and nice. And I was actually... It, got me jumping a couple times sent a couple shivers up my spine and (laughs) and i think i think you know like a lot of us remember like chucky yeah you know uh child's play and chucky's like this killer doll and like that to me is just kind of like cheesy and stupid i'm not really like a huge fan of that but with annabelle i like the fact that they really kind of keep it you know based on it exactly what the story is about right A, a, a girl named annabelle higgins that possesses or inhabits this doll in this world and everything revolves around that i find that really scary because mm-hmm. it, it's you know much more based in reality than you know a doll that runs around and kills people with a knife <laughs> with a knife you know so right. annabelle to me is a lot a lot more spooky than for sure than uh, chucky and just real quick i just wanted to share when i was at the zach baggins museum he did have so many different haunted objects that were in a doll form or just dolls in general and what i think is cool about the doll thing is spirits or entities can attach to these forms of objects and yeah, they yeah. all they each object has its own unique story they do so they do. i mean he's got a whole freaking house full of them <laughs> yeah. over there at right. his haunted museum in vegas which i'm i still haven't been to bro we're going man. i know we, we're we need to go yeah i'd love to go and and meet zach in the process that'd though, be so cool there. absolutely maybe we'll reach out but with dolls so like a lot of people just dismiss the whole idea of haunted dolls and i think it's kind of interesting and funny at the same time because the idea of using dolls in religious practices or rituals goes back thousands and thousands of years. In fact, it goes, its traces go back to ancient Rome, ancient Egypt. I mean, people obviously have heard of voodoo dolls. I mean, if you look in uh, Haitian magic um, and other cultures around the world, the use of dolls is actually very prevalent even to this day. So this idea that 
you know, oh, that's like so ridiculous to think of a doll being used uh, in, you know, or being possessed or, mm. you know, causing a haunting or poltergeist activity is outrageous. Is It's really not because there's so many different cases and accounts of this happening. Oh, for sure. Over thousands of years. And even recent years, like not too long ago, I just did a quick YouTube search on haunted dolls and I was surprised there are a few very highly rated videos that seem very credible and actually yeah. a, a real thing happening with their doll. There is. And there's a one of the other famous dolls, which we'll cover eventually on, on the show, is Robert the Doll. Ooh. And he's actually in Florida. Oh, cool. Uh, I believe in near Key, near the Keys in Florida. I oh, forget nice. exactly what location, but they keep him in a glass case. Ah. And there's been tons of stories of people coming to it because they let you it's like a tourist attraction so tons of people go through there but you know a lot of people have had experiences that you're not supposed to look them in the eyes it's kind of the same (laughs) way with annabelle right and people have had experiences happen to them they've even written letters saying that apologizing to robert the doll (laughs) lots of crazy shit so this is not just like a bunch of bullshit a lot of people are super skeptical of this idea of why would i be afraid of a doll Right, right right So if you believe in the paranormal at all, you also have to be open to the idea that an object or a doll could be, you know, possessed or inhabited by a spirit. But let's talk about for a minute how this actually happens, because people are like, what do you mean it's possessed? Well, if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. So human beings, we all have our own electromagnetic energy fields. We all radiate energy. This is like a known fact. And that's why ghost hunters, they do, you know, they measure uh, EMF. Mm-hmm. Uh, electromagnetic frequencies and things like that to see changes in the, the magnetic field around around them and that's how you pick up you know paranormal things uh, in a lot of cases so if you think about it when you die you know there's a chance that part of your energy field could be transmitted or transferred to an inanimate object oh, and yeah. so kind of the theory behind haunted dolls is that oftentimes we see in children's deaths they transfer part of their spirit their energy into an object that they loved dearly like a doll right and a doll makes more sense for it to be the host of this Uh, spirit or energy because it's very similar to a human body for sure so it makes more sense for it yeah to be that as opposed to you'd be like well why wouldn't you just transfer it to the chair or you know uh, a box or something Mm -hmm. and it's because there's that connection because it sure. has arms, legs, it has a face. And the child really connected with the doll. Right. They love that thing. Yeah. They don't love the chair. No. They love so that's where it would bounce to or it hop to. Yeah, that's a good after point. the child's death. So to me that to me that makes a ton of sense. And I don't think a lot of people even factor that in that maybe it's our energy or spirit being transferred to a doll. Or the other scenario is somebody using a doll in a ritual in which they are cursing it they place mm-hmm. a curse on it or they conjure some type of evil entity or or spirit or demon and they ask it to inhabit this doll right and so that's kind of the debate in a lot of these haunted doll cases is that is the doll just hosting you know a spirit of mm-hmm. somebody who's passed or was this doll used in some type of ritual in which something evil was conjured and took possession over it as it's became the host. It's like a virus. It's right, really like yeah. a virus. If you think about it, and it makes me think a lot about voodoo and how yeah, whoever, dolls. whoever's performing that ritual 
I, f- I forget it, exactly what they use to bind like an actual human to the doll. I think it was like a piece of the, uh, ha- of hair from right. the human that they're casting the they spell make a upon. Like, like they make a doll in the image of that of person. Of that person. Right. And then they can poke at it and what, whatever they do with control the voodoo, it control it. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to do an episode on, on voodoo mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, specifically like Haitian magic, especially after you guys enjoyed, which I don't know how enjoyed the, <laughs> you know, learning about the Padrino and, Oh yeah. Uh, and Santeria and all that. For sure. It's very interesting. It's also very dark as well. Absolutely. But, and the whole Nanga, uh, rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely terrifying. Very but hopefully today won't be, you know, quite as dark, but it's definitely nonetheless spooky. So let's go ahead and dive into the story of Annabelle. Now, before we do, I want to thank our sponsors for today or our only sponsor today, Pretty Litter. And also, before I forget, if you guys are looking for a way to chill out, maybe these episodes give you some anxiety. Maybe you have trouble sleeping after this. <laughs> well, I've got the perfect thing for you. It's called CBD. I have my own CBD brands, Higher Love Wellness, higherlovewellness.com. We have a bunch of different CBD products on there. Highly recommend you check it out. Can help with a wide range of different things, tons of therapeutic benefits Absolutely. to it, and tons of ways to consume it. It's THC free, so you don't have to worry about, you know, getting in trouble yeah. or failing drug tests. Right. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. That's higherlovewellness.com. But let's go ahead and dive into the story of Annabelle. So around 1971, a mother was looking for the perfect gift for her daughter, Donna, because it was her 28th birthday and it was also her college graduation. Donna was actually getting her nursing degree and lived in a small apartment with her friend and her fellow nurse, Angie. And her mom wanted to find her something very special. So she went to a hobby shop to look for a one of a kind gift. And while browsing around looking at different things, that's when her eyes came across an antique raggedy ann doll so the raggedy ann doll i mean to me is definitely not frightening i mean if you've seen the annabelle movies they have a porcelain doll that's much more <laughs> terrifying just <laughs> yeah. at first glance obviously for the movie but in this in the real story it's an antique raggedy ann doll which honestly it almost makes it even scarier if you think about it it does it, lo- it looks too friendly not to be scary <laughs> it, it is in a weird way and just yeah. it's got such a weird face to it for sure for those of you that aren't familiar with raggedy ann raggedy ann was a popular character in a series of children's books written by johnny gruel when he created this character he had this feeling that this would be a very special character so he actually patented the raggedy ann doll in 1915 Three years before, he introduced the character in the book Raggedy Ann Stories. The doll's defining traits were her red yarn hair and red triangle-shaped nose. And when Donna was growing up, Raggedy Ann was very popular, and she loved the stories. So this antique doll that she stumbled upon was perfect, and Donna loved the gift. She showed her roommate Angie, who had her own childhood memories of this doll. Donna slept with the doll that night. And after making her bed the next morning, she fluffed the pillows and gently placed Raggedy Ann in the center. Soon, Donna graduated and found a job as a nurse at the same hospital where Angie worked. And they both had four to midnight shifts and were so excited to be working together. And they fell into this very comfortable routine. One morning, Donna decided to bring her doll with her to the kitchen. She put her on a chair and told Angie that Raggedy Ann was having breakfast with them that morning. They both laughed and then went on with their day. 
She kept bringing the doll to have breakfast with them, though. And on the third morning, the women were joking around again and even talking to Raggedy Ann. Then the doll lifted her arms and placed them on the table. And obviously this shocked Angie and Donna. And they just looked at each other in disbelief and were completely silent for the next few minutes. Angie broke the tension and joked that they should hold a seance with Raggedy Ann. Donna smiled and laughed, but they didn't talk about it anymore. Instead, they chose to keep a closer eye on the doll. So Donna started leaving Raggedy Ann on the living room couch in order to greet them when they got home after a long day's work. But after a little while, the woman started noticing something strange. Raggedy Ann was moving again. No matter what position they left the Raggedy Ann doll in before leaving the apartment, when they got home, she was always in a different position. Her arms or legs would be placed differently or crossed over one another. Or would she be facing the entirely opposite way? At first, Donna and Angie blamed each other for the prank. But most days, they left and came home at the same time. And knowing that nobody was in the apartment all day, the doll still managed to move. Then, they noticed that Raggedy Ann started moving around whatever room they left her in. She'd be on the opposite side of the couch or at the foot of the bed instead of leaning against the pillows where Donna left her that morning. Kind of terrifying, honestly. And they're just like, okay with that at this point. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, hey. think about that. If you came home mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't a doll, if an object that you remembered clearly putting on one in one spot in your room and then you got home and it was in an entirely different part of yeah. that room. What would you think? Well, my third, my first thought would be, who the hell broke in my place? You know, but right. in this case, obviously no one has broken in. So it would be a, a very scary situation, like putting chills down my spine type of thing. Yeah. You'd be like, clearly something is here. Mm. If it's, if it's not a human, then something else is going on. Cause that's just bizarre. That just doesn't happen in the yeah. natural world. One day Donna was late getting ready for work and Angie was waiting by the door telling her to hurry up. She left her bedroom door open and hurried through the living room. Raggedy Ann was sitting on the couch, and she remembered seeing the doll there as they left. But when the women got home that night, the doll was in Donna's bedroom, and the door was shut. Neither of them had been home all day, and no one had been in the apartment to close the door or move the doll. And this happened multiple times. And after a while, they worried someone was breaking into their apartment and moving the doll around in order to scare them. So Angie asked her fiancé, Lou, to start coming over more often. And sometimes he stayed at the apartment to keep an eye on things while they were at work. And eventually, the women asked him to move in. Lou fucking hated the Raggedy Ann doll. It gave him a creepy feeling whenever he was around it. And he told Angie more than once that they should get rid of it. But Donna still loved the doll and refused to give her up. About a month after receiving the doll, things escalated even further. Donna and Angie started finding strange messages around their apartment. They were written in a childlike handwriting on scraps of parchment paper. And they said things like, help me, help us, help Lou. Neither of them used or had even bought parchment paper. And they searched the entire apartment looking for this paper, but found nothing. Yet the notes kept appearing. 
After finding the note with Lou's name on it, Angie showed her fiance and asked if he was the one writing them. Lou didn't know anything about it, and he had never used or bought parchment paper either. He told Angie again that, hey, I think it's the doll writing the messages, we should probably get rid of it. But Donna was like, no, that was a gift. I love that doll. A few days later though, everything changed. Donna came home and found the doll in her bed. This wasn't where she left her, but by now she was used to that. What was different though, was how she felt when she looked at the doll. She got this overwhelming sense of fear and dread. And as she got closer to the bed where the doll sat, this feeling got worse and worse. She took a deep breath and picked up the doll and there was red stains on the back of the doll's hands, as well as three drops on her chest. And Donna realized it was blood. She dropped the doll, obviously terrified, ran out of the room, shutting the door behind her. She waited anxiously in the living room for Angie to get home. And when she did, Donna could hardly get the words out. Angie's like, oh my God, calm down. What's going on? And Angie's just kind of laughing it off telling Donna, oh, it was probably nothing, you know, what are you worried about? But seeing how upset Donna was, she offered to contact a psychic medium a friend had told her about. And Donna thought, hmm, that's probably a good idea. So they asked the medium to come inspect their apartment as well as inspect the Raggedy Ann doll. And after the medium looked around and started talking to the women, she decided to hold a seance in order to try to contact any spirits living in their home. And it was during the seance that the medium discovered that the doll was inhabited or possessed by the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle Higgins. The medium also explained that just before the apartment building was built, Annabelle's family lived on the property, and she used to run and play in the fields around their home. When she was just seven years old, though, her body was found in a field on the exact spot beneath the women's apartment. Annabelle's spirit apparently told the medium she actually liked Donna and Angie and didn't mean to scare them. She just wanted to stay with them and keep living inside the doll. Obviously, the women were pretty freaked out at first and didn't really know what to do. But the medium assured them that the spirit was just lonely and needed them to look out for her. She also promised that Annabelle wouldn't hurt them and really couldn't even if she wanted to. And at the same time, Donna, you know, as much as she was scared of the doll, still felt an attachment to it. So they agreed to keep her and share their home with the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. After this, they treated the doll lovingly and tried to show her as much kindness and compassion as they could. But it was harder than they thought. Every time the doll moved or left them a mysterious note, it just freaked them out more. But they kept trying. They took Annabelle for her car rides, bought her clothes and jewelry, and they basically treated her like she was a living seven-year-old girl. But this just made things worse. The nicer they were to Annabelle, the more things escalated. It didn't take long before they started hearing knocking sounds all around the apartment. They also saw flashing lights in their bedrooms at night and their beds even rocked and shook. They also claimed to have heard disembodied voices whispering through the hall. So this is like classic story, right? Oh yeah. You know, 
try to be nice to the spirit and the spirit's not nice yeah and i thought that was really cool of them to do that showing the showing the spirit some love well and it's also if you're not catching on and starting to show you that maybe this is not just the spirit of annabelle higgins there could be another negative be, entity also be something else hiding behind this or uh, masking themselves masking themselves higgins. yeah i think i think people are you know in this situation are very you know very naive to just think that oh she just wants to be friends with us right <laughs> yeah. so we'll just you know sure. treat her like a normal little girl even though she was already freaking you out before that and writing scary notes i mean yeah the notes are definitely not like i love you take care of you. yeah help me help us for sure they're not getting love back from the spirit right so one night something really terrifying happened after working their shift at the hospital the women got home just after midnight and when they opened the front door annabelle was just standing in front of them upright on her flimsy doll legs and they just scream they're absolutely terrified lou lou Lou. And after that, they both just avoided the doll. They stopped moving her and just let her stay wherever she ended up at the end of the day. And after Angie told Lou about the medium and what they had learned during the seance, he was still not convinced. And he still hated the doll. And since he had moved into their apartment, actually, he was plagued by terrible nightmares. Somehow he knew the doll was responsible. And he had serious doubts that the spirit was a scared little seven-year-old. But he stayed because he cared about Angie and wanted her to feel safe. But one night, Lou and Angie went to bed early. As they were leaving for a road trip the next day. And in the middle of the night, Lou woke up suddenly from a deep sleep. He was panicked and covered in sweat, but he couldn't move. His arms and legs felt too heavy to lift. And he tried to wake up Angie, but he couldn't talk. All he could do was move his eyes to scan the room. And as he looked down toward the foot of his bed, he saw something moving. He thought maybe it was a mouse and tried to kick it with his feet, but they were still frozen. And that's when he realized what he was really looking at. It was Annabelle at the foot of the bed. And Annabelle the doll crept slowly up his legs and onto his chest. Lou's eyes closed, hoping and praying that he was just dreaming. But then suddenly he felt an intense pressure on his throat, so much so that he couldn't breathe. And at this point, he's still paralyzed, unable to move his arms and legs. He wasn't even able to sit up. He was completely locked to the bed. He also felt himself losing consciousness and tried to fight it, but he couldn't get any air and blocked out. The next morning he woke up and immediately he sat up and panicked. Angie knew he was having nightmares and comforted him, saying it was just a dream, honey. But this time he knew it was real. It had really happened. When he looked in the mirror, he had marks across his neck, like someone had tried to strangle him. He told Angie to get ready as fast as possible and that he was ready to get the hell out of there. A little while later, they're all in the living room and Lou was looking over the map to finalize their route. And Angie was chatting with Donna. And that's when they heard a noise coming from Donna's room. The door was shut, and Lou, momentarily forgetting about the haunted doll, assumed it was someone trying to break in. So he crept over to the closed door and listened, and he waited for the noise to stop before throwing open the door. And when he did, he flipped on the light and looked around, but no one was there. 
The window was shut and nothing in the room was disturbed. The doll was tossed in the corner of the room, lying face down on the floor. Lou checked under the bed and in the closet just to be sure no one was there. He then stood in the middle of the room trying to figure out what had made that loud rustling noise. And then he looked down at the doll and stepped toward it. And as he moved, he suddenly felt like someone was standing right behind him, watching him. He spun around and grabbed at the air, but he was still all alone in the room. He knew that the doll was causing all of this. So he picked it up and shook it. And he said, you're nothing but a rag doll. You couldn't hurt anyone before tossing her back into the corner. Angie and Donna came in from the living room to see what was going on. And then out of nowhere, Lou felt a sharp pain on his chest and his skin was hot and felt like it was burning. The pain got more intense and he bent over, grabbing his chest. Angie's freaked out at this point, ran over to him. And when he moved his hands, they were covered in blood and his shirt was soaked. And he ripped it open. And there were seven psychic wounds. Long claw marks scraped across his chest. Three were vertical and four were horizontal. And his skin was still burning and oozing blood. But nothing in the room had touched him. He looked in the corner and the doll was still there. It hadn't moved, but he had no doubt that whatever inhabited this doll was responsible for his injuries. Suddenly, a chair slid across the room and slammed into the wall. The whole room shook and all the picture frames fell and shattered on the floor. And then there was loud pounding sounds all around them. At this point, they just all got up and ran into the living room and slammed the bedroom door. Lou looked down at his chest and three of the claw marks were healed. By the next day, half of the remaining marks were gone and two days later, his chest was completely healed. There was no scabs or scars and it was almost like it had never happened. Donna thought maybe the spirit of Annabelle had lashed out at Lou because they weren't giving her enough attention. She felt bad that they were ignoring her, but she couldn't shake the bad feeling she got from the doll. So they decided that, you know what, we need a different kind of help. Maybe the spirit of Annabelle shouldn't stay inside a doll. Maybe she needed help crossing over to the other side. Plus, after what happened to Lou, they were all really scared of Annabelle and what she might do next. So they thought, you know what, let's, let's call a priest. So they contacted Father Hegan and asked him for help. And after talking to Donna and Angie, he consulted with a priest with more authority in the church named Father Cook. And together, the two priests decided that, you know what, we need to bring in paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. All right, so Ed and Lorraine Warren talked about them a bunch on the show. If you've seen any of our past episodes, paranormal cases, many of them were investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. In, in a very short summary, Ed was a prominent demonologist, uh, self-proclaimed demonologist, because obviously there's not really like a school you can go to to be schooled on demonology. But, you know, he came from Catholic faith, definitely spent a lot of time diving into demons and, you know, that whole world. But Lorraine was a psychic medium. So the two together really made a great paranormal investigating team. The Warrens are also famous for founding the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. And this really helped them make themselves basically a household name and experts in the paranormal. And they consulted with all kinds of professionals about paranormal events, including doctors, police departments, universities, researchers, and members of the clergy. 
And when the priest told them about Annabelle, they took an immediate interest and decided to set up a meeting with Donna, Angie, and Lou. The first thing that Ed and Lorraine told them was that they had been misled by the medium. Annabelle Higgins was a young girl who had died in a motorcycle accident outside their apartment building. But it wasn't her spirit that was inside the doll. This was the work of an inhuman presence, an evil entity that could attach itself to anything, a person, an object, or even a place. They explained that the spirits of the dead can't possess inanimate objects. They can only possess living people. They believed that the entity inside the Raggedy Ant doll was really a demon impersonating the spirit of Annabelle Higgins. But this wasn't even the bad news. The bad news was that demonic spirits didn't want to be attached to objects or places. What they really wanted was a human host, and their ultimate goal is always to possess a person. Ed and Lorraine explained the specific signs of demonic possession, teleportation, materialization, and the mark of the beast. And right now the demon was in what they called the infestation stage. It had attached itself to the doll, teleported around the apartment, banged on the walls, and did whatever else it could to get their attention. And once it had their attention, it escalated things through materialization of cryptic notes on parchment paper. And the handwriting was intentionally childlike to help impersonate Annabelle Higgins, which then led Don and Angie to bring in the psychic medium. And the demon knew this medium could be easily manipulated and convinced her that it was Annabelle and that Annabelle just needed love and affection. So now at this point, they gave the demon permission to stay in the doll and in the apartment. And when they started treating it with kindness and compassion, they were all at serious risk of being possessed by the demon. All it had to do was move from the doll to one of them. And they were lucky it never found the right opportunity. But it did take advantage of its new role as a welcome guest and started acting more like a demon. That's why they started getting a bad feeling whenever they were around the doll. And eventually, why it attacked Lou. But the main objective of the demon was that it wanted a human host because it wanted to cause chaos, pain, and fear. And during the last attack on Lou, it left the most compelling proof of demonic possession on his chest, with the mark of the beast, a symbol of evil. Anyone who came into their house was at risk of being harmed or possessed by the demon, and Ed and Lorraine knew they had to act quickly. They predicted that at the rate things were escalating, in another few weeks, everyone who lived there would be seriously hurt, possessed, or maybe even killed by the demon. After this initial investigation, the Warrens consulted again with Father Hegan and Father Cook and told them how serious the situation had become. The Warrens recommended an immediate exorcism blessing of the home done by Father Cook. The idea behind the blessing is that it's used to fill the home with God's presence and positive energy in order to drive the demon back. Basically, they wanted to make it an inhospitable environment for an evil presence so that it would decide to leave on its own and not come back. Father Cook was hesitant, though. But after talking with the Warrens a few times, he agreed to carry out a seven-page rite of exorcism. When he arrived at the apartment, he walked through reciting the blessing and making sure to bless every room and every corner. And when he was done, the Warrens told Donna and Angie they were sure there was no more demons that would be living in their home. But Donna decided not to take any chances, and she asked Ed and Lorraine to take the Raggedy Ann doll. And they actually agreed that this was for the best, that they take the doll. So they took it home with them, but they were very careful with her as the demon was likely still inside and they knew what kind of damage it could do. So they put Annabelle the doll in the backseat of their car and buckled her in. 
and they knew that spirits could disrupt electrical systems like the one that powered their car. So they drove very carefully. Instead of taking the highway, they only took back roads in the case the car broke down. And as soon as they started driving, they both felt like the doll was watching them from the back seat. And there was an overwhelming feeling of hatred and hostility coming from the back seat. They were right to be cautious, though. Every time Ed made a turn, the power steering and the brakes failed. And the car swerved out of control and then stalled. They almost crashed multiple times on the way home. After narrowly avoiding a collision, Ed was fed up. He knew that Annabelle was causing this. So he reached into his black bag and pulled out a vial of holy water. He then proceeded to sprinkle it across the doll. And after a few seconds, he dumped the whole vial over her and made the sign of the cross. After this, the car started right up and they drove the rest away with no problems. And when they got home, they decided to put Annabelle in Ed's office. So he put her on a chair next to his desk and turned to leave. But then something stopped him. He turned around and was shocked to see the doll levitating just above the chair. She stayed that way for a few seconds before dropping back down. Ed watched for a few minutes, waiting for the doll to move again, but she was completely still. So he left the room, shut the door behind him, but Annabelle wasn't done yet. Over the next few weeks, Ed saw the doll levitate multiple times. Then she started teleporting to other rooms of the house. The demon was clearly trying to get their attention, just like it had with Don and Angie. But the Warrens knew better, and for the most part, they ignored the doll. When they went out of town or even just away for the night, they took the doll to an outside building on their property that wasn't attached to the house and locked her in an office. But when they got back from their trip, the doll was back inside the house. They checked the office and the outside building, and all the doors were still shut and locked. Her favorite spot to appear was in Ed's armchair in the living room and sometimes a black cat materialized next to her. The cat would walk around the room once, jump back on the chair, and dematerialize from the head down. Another time when Ed was out of town, a carpenter was over at the house building bookshelves, and he was so freaked out by the doll that he asked Lorraine to move it to another room. Lorraine didn't like touching the doll, but since Ed wasn't home, she had to. And a few times, the Warrens had friends over who happened to be priests, and the doll really seemed to dislike whenever the priest came to visit. One friend of theirs, Father Bradford, was a Catholic exorcist, and he wasn't afraid of the doll at all. When he came over, she was sitting in her favorite spot on Ed's chair in the living room, and Father Bradford walked right up to the doll and picked her up and said, You're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. He then threw the doll and said, God is more powerful than the devil. Ed gasped and said, That's one thing you better not say. When Father Bradford left later that night, Lorraine warned him to be careful driving home. They had told him about what had happened to them and worried. He might have pissed off the demon. Lorraine also asked him to call her as soon as he got home. The young priest just laughed though and repeated that she was just a doll and there's nothing to be afraid of. But after a few minutes of talking, he reluctantly agreed to call when he was safely home. But he assured them that he'd be just fine. He had a brand new car and nothing could possibly go wrong with it. But Lorraine and Ed didn't hear from him for several hours after he left. And when he finally called, he said he had been in an accident. As he was driving into a busy intersection, his brakes suddenly failed and he lost control of the car and crashed. And the car was actually totaled. This brand new car. And he had almost died. He told them that just before the crash, he glanced in the rearview mirror and saw Annabelle's face looking back at him. A little while later, a homicide detective was at their house consulting with the Warrens on a case of a young girl who had been murdered. 
and after their meeting, he asked to see some of their haunted artifacts just for fun. And the second he looked at the doll, he was mesmerized. He told Ed he couldn't take his eyes off her, almost like she was drawing him in. Ed left the room to take a call, and before he left, he warned the detective not to touch anything. But within a few minutes, the detective ran into the room, shaking and trying to catch his breath. Ed said he'd call an ambulance, but the detective stopped him. He said he was okay and didn't want to talk about it. But Ed knew exactly what had happened. He had picked up Annabelle. After this incident, the detective was so freaked out, he ended up quitting his job at the police department a few months later. And it didn't take long for the Warrens to realize how dangerous this doll really was. They couldn't just keep her out all the time. She needed to be locked away in a place where the demonic spirit would stay trapped inside. So they had a wooden case with a glass door constructed specifically for the doll. The stain on the case was infused with holy water and holy oil. And they carved two prayers into the wood, the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer, which ends, By the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. They then locked Annabelle the doll in the display case in their occult museum, which is attached to their home with a sign that reads, Warning, positively do not open. The case is actually surrounded by holy objects like St. Michael and crucifixes. And from that time on, the name Annabelle stuck, and people came from all over to get a glimpse of the haunted Annabelle doll. And for decades, Ed Warren said a binding prayer over the locked case to counteract the demon. And this prayer was an added layer of protection to make sure the demon stayed inside of Annabelle. But even inside the case, the demon still had power to cause harm. A few years after they locked her up, a visitor came to the museum and took an interest in Annabelle. The young man had come with his girlfriend, and while she was looking at the other displays, Ed told him all about Annabelle and all the chaos she'd caused. But this young man scoffed at Ed's stories and laughed at the warning sign on Annabelle's case. The man actually started banging on the glass, taunting the doll, hoping to get proof that she could really put scratches on people by scratching him. Ed took this man by the arm and said, son, you need to leave. And he led him and his girlfriend outside. The man called out to the doll, challenging her to do her worst. They laughed at Ed and then hopped on their motorcycle and left. But a few hours later, they were riding on the motorcycle talking about Annabelle and still laughing at how silly it was to believe a doll could hurt you. And that's when suddenly this man lost control of the motorcycle and he swerved off the road and drove straight into the tree. This young man died on impact, and the woman was critically injured and was hospitalized for over a year. It was at this point that Annabelle had taken her first, and hopefully her last life. So the story of Annabelle, like we talked about at the beginning, really helped inspire an entire horror film franchise known as The Conjuring Universe. The first film, The Conjuring, was about Ed and Lorraine Warren's 1971 case, which we've covered, The Parent Family Haunting, and in the story, Ed and Lorraine had recently investigated Annabelle the Haunted Doll. And the director of the films was James Wan, who's the co-creator of the Saw and Insidious franchises, which are both very good and scary, and was brought on to direct and become the creator of the Conjuring universe. The first film was released in 2013 and was one of the most profitable horror films in history. And because The Conjuring was a worldwide box office success, the next film, Annabelle, was announced and almost immediately the first in the three-part Annabelle series was created. The first film didn't get great reviews, but the next two, Annabelle Creation and Annabelle Comes Home, were both huge commercial successes. 
The entire franchise is the second highest grossing horror franchise ever next to Godzilla. It's made $1.9 billion against a total budget of just $139 million for all of the films. That's how much money the Conjuring universe has created. Uh, it's crazy. I believe it. And it's I believe so it too. Good. It's so good. It is. And obviously all these films created a ton of increased interest in the Warrens and Annabelle brought in crowds of people to their occult museum. Like we said, the doll in the movies was much scarier than the real Annabelle. But still, everybody wanted to see the creepy, raggedy Ann haunted doll that inspired these horror films. And obviously meet Lorraine Warren in person. Both of them have since passed. And I believe their occult museum is closed to the public still. Right. As of right now, it's still closed. They actually have a YouTube channel, The Warrens do. And uh, their son-in-law kind of runs the whole uh, occult museum and everything. And I think there's issues with zoning right now. Is what I saw. So he's trying to like get zoning issues figured out so that they can bring people back in. But it's still run out of the basement of the Warren's home on Knollwood Street in Monroe, Connecticut. And they've got a bunch of objects in there too, other than just Annabelle. Yeah, their son in law, Lorraine's son in law, Tony Sparra, is the one that runs it. Um, Tony is married to Lorraine and Ed's daughter, Judy. And Ed taught Tony everything he knew about demonology and considered him his protege. And he left the museum's artifacts in Tony's care when he passed. But for a long time, Lorraine would give lectures on the occult and people would come through, pose you know, for pictures with the real Annabelle in her display case, which is backlit by this nightmarish red light. And guests were discouraged from communicating with the doll and warned not to challenge her powers in any way. And touching Annabelle's display case, even by accident, can lead to the attachment of negative energy. And I think that's so cool how they did allow visitors to take pictures with Annabelle and all their objects. Because that was kind of the disappointing thing with the Zach Baggins Museum is after you get through the initial room. Yeah, you can't take any pictures. Yeah, and there's so much cool stuff you want to take pictures of, but yeah, you can't. I mean, I get why you do it because then yeah. people aren't going to come if there's all <laughs> these pictures out there. True. He keeps it. I mean... He's a smart guy, he so is. he's he's doing it for a reason. For but, sure. But I agree. I mean, it's kind of a bummer. It you is. would think that you pay all this money, you get to be able to at least yeah. take a picture with your favorite haunted object. Exactly. But, but no. But apparently Annabelle, in her case, her locked case, still changes positions and moves around inside it. Ooh, that's cool. There have even been multiple people who took a picture of the doll when they came into the museum, walked around, and came back to Annabelle only to see that she had moved from that picture they had taken that'd be so cool to see i know right and in other pictures they could see a pair of eyes behind her doll eyes looking in the direction of the person taking the picture annabelle is said to be the most demonic artifact in the whole museum and she's still very dangerous some people have been overwhelmed by feelings of hostility in the presence of annabelle they can feel the hatred radiating through the thick glass And if this happens, guests are advised to close their eyes and picture a bubble of protective white light surrounding them to calm them down. When Lorraine was alive, she would talk to guests, give them advice about their own experience with hauntings, and sometimes even made an appointment to visit their home. But she hated going into that basement museum and avoided it as much as possible. And before leading guests to the museum's interest, she would warn them to not ever challenge Annabelle. 
But unfortunately, like I said, the residential neighborhood that it's in isn't set up for commercial business. So that's why there's zoning issues because tons and tons of people would be coming like 50, 60 cars in the neighborhood. So obviously that's <laughs> we not would good. be one of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I would love to go see the occult museum. Yeah, I'm really hoping it opens up again. So, you know, it's still still closed and, you know, they're still trying to figure it out over the past couple of years and hopefully it'll be, you know, open back up. But one rumor that spread in August of 2020 was that Annabelle had escaped the occult museum. This was like a big, big thing that went around online. Yeah, I heard about that. Apparently somebody edited her wiki page warning that this possessed doll was on the loose. (laughs) Tony was like, no, 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 no. I'll prove it to you. Yeah. And he posted a video on the YouTube channel going over to Annabelle being like, Annabelle's right here. <laughs> this is just uh just a you know That's so funny though. A rumor. Yeah. And in this video clip he actually explains he's like, No, there's no way she'd be able to escape. It's mm-hmm. locked down. There's security, right. security cameras. There's no way that she'd be able to, you know, get out of here. But then again, I mean, maybe she did escape and now she's back. She was able to get herself back in the case somehow. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So I, I don't know, really know what the future of Annabelle's, you know, is. Hopefully, you know, he'll figure out a way to allow the public to come see her. But would you even want to go see her? <laughs> That's the thing. Is like, do you even want to risk, you know, as long as you don't touch her? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. think it'd be scary enough just to look in her eyes. And, For sure. And I don't think a locked box would, you know, be much protection. Right. To yeah. People, so, yeah, I know. I mean, if the entity was truly power powerful enough to get out of the box and escape, then it, it can do anything. It can do anything it wants. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I know there's there's people out there skeptical, very skeptical of, of this whole story in general. I mean, it is hard to imagine a little Raggedy Ann doll, yeah. you know, nearly killing somebody. And if you don't believe in spirits or demons or paranormal i mean it's very difficult to believe this story at Uh all right and think that oh this is just a sensationalized story and you know ed and lorraine warren a lot of people think they're frauds and they just got a hold of the doll because they're like oh this is a great idea for another haunting story Mm. and they're kind of like there's just these genius creators of these scary stories but but i don't know i I think there's a lot of validity to this Uh i think there's a lot of reasons why i believe this this was true this really happened i think there absolutely could be something possessing this doll Mm -hmm. i mean is it a demon i don't know and it's not the first example of entities attaching themselves to right you know objects like dolls or and it would make sense that whatever is in this doll wants to get out of it and move to a human host Mm -hmm. like ed and lorraine warren said but at the same time maybe it's just you know maybe it is in fact the spirit of Annabelle Higgins Mm -hmm. and it's just hopped over to the doll and now it's in the doll and it's really not evil. You know, it doesn't have any evil intentions, which again, I mean, doesn't really explain Lou's story, but but I don't know, maybe there's something else going on with it. So definitely we'll have to let us know what your guys' thoughts are on Annabelle, the haunted doll. Do you believe in this story? Do you believe that she's possessed by a demon? Is she just, the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, let us know. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Lights Out Podcast. If you did, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, especially that really helps us out. Leave us a review rating. We love to see your guys' feedback on the show. And yeah, we've got so much more coming for you here very, very soon. 
And with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Lights Out. And until next time, Lights Out, everyone.